I'm Jess. And I'm Tiff. And, and we're your curious cousins. Where we talk about everything kooky and spooky in the state of Oklahoma. So uh, I need to address something really fast. <laughs> what is that? Um, you were right. And oh. I did say Oklahoma. Yes. And I... <laughs> I just wanted to apologize and say it wasn't intentional. It somehow just slipped out. I don't even know how. I wasn't even thinking of anything like that. So just to apologize to anybody who might be offended. We just want everyone to know that our podcast is a safe space. Uh, we love everybody, we welcome everybody, and we do not want to offend anybody by what we say, so we apologize and we're sorry. And Absolutely. <laughs> and um, on another note, I was scolded this week. Yes, so. yes, she was. Um, <laughs> shout out to my younger brother, Jeff. Happy birthday. Yay, um, I love you. And um, <laughs> I just, love you too. Just wanted to give you a little shout out. It's his birthday was the 25th and it's the 27th. But um, <laughs> just uh, wanted to say happy birthday. Yes. Your sister loves you. Yeah. That's so sweet. I do what I can. <laughs> we did want to kind of give a little bit of background about me and Jess. Um, we are both pretty much native Oklahomans. Yes. I wasn't actually born here, but my dad was in the military, so I was born elsewhere. But I've lived here for all of my life, pretty much. And... My mom was born and raised here, and my dad wasn't born here, but he was pretty much raised here as well, so I'm a native. Yeah. Uh, I was born and raised here. Uh, my dad worked in the aerospace industry for a long time, and mm-hmm. I know that that um, occupation took him around this, the country, and we did live in California for a little while, yeah. but we always came back to Oklahoma, yes, so I, yes. we were, were definitely natives. Um, it is interesting, because you grew up on the central Oklahoma area, yes, and I'm a, I did. I'm a Tulsa native, so yes. um, if you couldn't tell, we're kind of from the, we're, we're speaking from the eastern side of the state. Yes, so. we are. Uh, Jess and I are first cousins, our mothers, our sisters. Yes. So I, I, Tiff is older, but. <laughs> Not by much. No. <laughs> um, but I don't remember a time in my life when Jess wasn't a part of it. And we grew up in a very close-knit family where we were together pretty much every holiday yeah uh, several I know. times over the summer well uh, uh, for me my dad's side of the family we would I, we switched off on you mm-hmm. know different holidays but we always still saw each other even though it might not have been on that yes. holiday day yeah if that made sense that kind of sounds stupid <laughs> so but anyway yeah we are very close we mm-hmm. uh always have been yes I feel like yes so so, anyway, that's a little bit about us. Yeah, yeah. We'll give out little trinkets and about <laughs> us every little once in a while. Little nuggets of information. And I also kind of wanted to tell fans that if they really aren't into banter, 
Mm. Might not be for this you. Mic. No, Her mic just fell. <laughs> that happened to me last week. <laughs> this. <laughs> we'll cut that out. This might not be the show for you if you are not into banter, um, because we're gonna be fantastically happy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really just say that? Uh, maybe. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Well, yeah. that works. So. Um, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up our first um, dark history episode yeah. today, or even though it was a two parter. But um, so Jess has got two stories for us, and I have one over some famous outlaws. So Jess, you want to take it away? I guess I will. <laughs> um, my uh, mine is more gangsters mm. this go around. And I'm actually really excited for you to hear some of this. So my first one is, you've everyone's probably heard of both of these that I'm going to cover. The first one is Mama Barker. Have you heard of her? Ma Barker? No, I have not. Well, she, her sons were a part of a, the Barker gang. Some are known as the Carpus Barker gang. I've seen it where it's the Barker Carpus gang. Uh, it, it's just carcass. Like, carpus. Oh, <laughs> I thought you said carcass. <laughs> I could have mumbled. My mom used to get on for, to me for that, so it could have come out that way. We all know what happened last week, so there's no telling what actually came out of my mouth. We're covering Arizona Donnie Clark, aka Ari, Kate. And Ma Barker. So um, we're I'm I'm gonna refer to her as Ari and Ma Bark Ma Barker. So quite the aliases. Yeah, uh, I'll go ahead and name my sources just to get it out of the way. <laughs> so I um, I use the Oklahoma Historical Society website and I also use the one hundred Oklahoma Outlaws, Gangsters and Mormon book that I referenced last week. And I also used mallbarkerhouse.org, and uh, I got a little bit of information from Wikipedia. So, there you go. Arizona, Donnie Clark. Her family called her Ari. She was born in either 1872 or in 1873. I saw both um, dates, and so I'm not 100% sure which date is actually correct. She was born near Springfield, Missouri. And from an early age, uh, Ari had a fascination for, quote, unquote, the bad boys. And one source said that she was thrilled with the Dalton gang's disregard for the law and that she was just absolutely devastated when the news of Jesse James's death came to her town. So apparently that she was heartbroken over that. So uh, take that as you will, I guess. <laughs> There's not really much about Ari's early life. I I haven't found hardly anything about her younger years. So it kind of went from, oh, she liked the the bad boys, and then it jumps mm-hmm. to when she gets married. So, well, you know how they regarded women back then. <laughs> she married George Barker in 1892, and she had four sons between the years of 1893 through 1901. And her sons were Herman, Lloyd, Fred, and Arthur, who later on was also called Doc. And Was um, he a doctor? You know, I don't really know, but I didn't 
I didn't really go into much research for him mm-hmm. just because all four sons were part of this Barker gang oh, okay. and they each could have their own ep- episode. No. So I didn't really go into too much detail because I thought, oh, well, maybe we might cover them at some point. Okay. okay. But um, interesting fact, or not so interesting, not surprising, um, all four sons would die by the gun. So. Oh. Sounds like another family I'm familiar with. Mm. The Star family? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I take that back. No. Tom Star didn't die that way. He died of old age. <laughs> Failing health, I guess. He's probably the only one. Right. Um, a little bit about George, just to um, let you know kind of what his character was like, which is also, what's the word I'm looking for? Conflicting. Okay. One source said that George Barker was described as shiftless. So I guess that kind of means restless, maybe. And he and Ari paid absolutely no attention to their son's education, resulting in them being more or less illiterate. Okay. Another source described George as being an honest, steady man who was a farm laborer and did everything from cutting and baling hay, herding cattle, acting as a midwife during cat calving. Act- oh. During calving, not an actual <laughs> midwife. But when the cows were going into okay. labor. Okay. And just being a worker that everyone wanted around. So very different, conflicting like character. Opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. So for sure. I'm not really sure which one's actually correct, but both were mentioned, so I threw it in there. <laughs> but uh, I will say it was common knowledge on how much Ari loved and worried about her sons. And it might have been a little too much considering it seems like for her, it almost was like they could do no wrong in her eyes. So uh, you will get a little more into that later. At an early age, the boys started getting into some criminal activities. And like I said before, I don't want to go into too much detail just because there was so much information. They could have their own episode. I will say though, Herman, the oldest, (laughs) at the age of 12, had been arrested for petty theft in Webb City, Missouri, which if you remember, Webb City was one of the cities that Elmer McCurdy did his plumbing <laughs> career job at. Well, so hmm. full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, he was then released to his mother, who she wasn't the strictest disciplinarian. So, um, Sorry, my coaster just fell <laughs> off my glass. Um, she was so lenient that all four of her sons had been arrested for one crime or another all before the age of 12. So, well, she certainly is setting them up for success and in criminal the... life. Sure. Yes, we'll yes. Go with that. yes. In 1910, both Arthur and Herman were arrested, not at the same time, though. And when Herman was arrested, it was reported that someone had heard her saying, quote, unquote, my poor innocent boy, and she oh. and she was enraged. Oh, she was one of those moms. Yes, and um, she was enraged at the indignity that he suffered while he was in jail oh. for. Oh, and he was arrested for highway robbery. So because he had to share a toilet or a room. <sighs> well, okay, just listen to what he was. Why he was arrested? Not just for highway robbery, but at this time he was only seventeen. Okay. So, he was the getaway driver of the car. Ah. 
but he ended up running over a child. <laughs> God. According to one source. And Jeez. I'm pretty sure, I think it said that the child had died. Well. And so that's, I mean, that's why he was arrested. But she was sense. like, oh, my poor baby. <laughs> what about that other mother's poor baby? Well, I mean, you would think there would Jeez. be some kind of. There would be a, there's got to be a consequence if you run over a child, well, whether absolutely. or not you meant to do it. Yeah. So, fun fact, in 1910, when Arthur was arrested, he was only 11 years old at the time. Wow. And it was, it was, he was arrested for just a string of juvenile offenses that continued on until his teenage years and, you know, his later adult criminal career. So, you know, I might color me wrong (laughs) for assuming this, but I think the... Um, profile you gave of the dad being what did you say like shiftless shiftless and uninvolved I think that's (laughs) yeah and I I can see that true well because if he was so shiftless and restless then he obviously wasn't maybe giving the boys the attention that Uh they probably were craving exactly and she was giving them too much attention. She was indulging them. Yeah. Yes. So, she was a smother mother. Yes. And it's funny that you say that because <laughs> that's kind of how I describe it later. Anyway, in 1915, the Barker family moved from Webb City, Missouri to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Woohoo! Um, Ma kept a place in what today is downtown Tulsa. Oh. Um, a home, a humble home located on 401 North Cincinnati Street, which... Today, it's now covered by the I-244 Expressway. (laughs) So. It's not there anymore. It's not there anymore, which um, I'm kind of bummed about because that would be a really interesting place to go and visit. Yeah. As like a tourist attraction saying, oh, Ma Barker at the Barker Gang lived here. Exactly. But nope, you can't say it. It's covered by a highway. (laughs) And there's. Hmm. So too bad. Um, I didn't see this in any other source, but one said that Ma Barker was tired of just barely scraping by, mm-hmm. and on what her husband earned, and she wanted the finer things in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it said she saw her boys as a means to an end, knowing that even though one of her son was one of her sons was in prison, he made good money as a criminal. That <sighs> she encouraged this petty theft and bad behavior like she was training them and planning ahead for them to support her in the future oh my god and i don't know if i fully believe that yeah well i and i don't know if i fully believe that and you'll see why but it was about her after her death as part of the fbi smear campaign that they did against her that, you know, she was this horrible, awful lady. She was the mastermind of the entire gang. So I have a hard time believing that she had that thought. That I mean, she could have. I don't know. I didn't know the woman, obviously. But, I mean, we just kind of have to take that with a grain of salt, really. But I do think she was... She, she I think she definitely kind of had that mentality that was, my boys can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. And... That definitely did not help matters. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, all. I feel like that. I mean, you said they had a smear campaign, and probably just the thought that there was a lady behind these gangsters—they were just going to drag her name. They were 
through the mud no matter what. Right. And I'll get into that a little more kind of at the end of her story. We'll mm-hmm. talk about it a, a little more. But, um, and the only reason why I say that is because some of what the people who knew her, like these gangsters that were a part of this, her son's gang, the things that they said about her, it, that's what makes me think, well, maybe it wasn't how the FBI said it was. Yeah. But I mean, we don't know. No. So I don't think anybody will be surprised to find out that the Barker boys met up with other criminals and became mm-hmm. known as the Carpus Barker gang or the Barker Carpus gang. I've seen them both. but i'm just gonna refer to it as barker gang it's easier so because i'll probably laugh every every time yeah it's not 100 percent clear about what happened between george and ari but it seems that at some point in 1928 they were no longer together and went their separate way um i do have a few theories that were mentioned so i'm gonna talk about those okay I like a good theory. So I'm interested to know which one you think might have happened. But um, one is that George got so fed up with the criminal activity in his family that he just found it intolerable and he just left, just removing himself out of the whole thing altogether. Mm-hmm. Another okay. theory is that Ari threw him out. Mm. Um, it was said that they argued a lot over their okay. son's criminal activities and that Ari saw nothing wrong with it which i can kind of see yes and um he just couldn't buy into it anymore yeah uh another is that feeling the heat from the oklahoma law enforcement mom made the decision to leave her clueless and weak husband (laughs) whatever that i mean i i don't know so and this this is the last one (laughs) this is the last theory um, it's that George just couldn't cope with Herman's death, which he died. I didn't mention this, but he died in 1927. And around this time, some of his other sons were mm-hmm. also in prison and he just couldn't take it and he left. But whatever the case is, he left and mom and the boys stayed together as a family. Yeah. So it honestly, the whole family just kind of sounds toxic. Yes. Yeah. Because either way, it sounds like he wasn't really involved and it's not like he really did anything to prevent his sons from not being criminals. Leading the straight and narrow. Right. So they didn't, he didn't try to reform them by any means. Oh, I don't know what theory I would believe. Maybe a comp. I'm sure there's a little bit of truth in all of them. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I feel like there's a little, you could take a little bit from each one and cause Honestly, all of them sound more... I mean, none of them sound just totally out there. All right. From 1928 to 1930, Ari lived in quote-unquote miserable poverty. Can't even say poverty. Poverty. In a dirt floor shack with no husband, no sons, because one was dead and the rest were in prison. Here in Oklahoma? Tulsa. Tulsa. So she she wanted the finer things in life. Yeah, well, and she got rid of a husband. Well, I think you know where this is going. Uh, yeah. So she had no job. And so, because of all of these factors, it was said that she became a loose woman. Ooh. Well, Tulsa, Jessica and I, in May, was it May? We went on, um, shout out to Terry French. We went on one of her pub crawl ghost tours around Tulsa. And so much fun. It was so much fun. Please, please, please sign up to go. I know spooky season is coming. And I think she does a lot in October. Yeah, it's Tulsa so, Spirit Tours. Tulsa Spirit Tours, yeah. And Facebook. we definitely are going to go again. Um, 
during spooky season. But this is, of course, I grew up in the Oklahoma City area, so I did not know a lot of the Tulsa history. And then I discovered that Tulsa was the home to many a brothel and um, that that was the major, one of the major currencies or major work industries here for a long time. So I could definitely see how that would be. I mean, I'm sure the work was easy to get into that well and as a Tulsa native Mm -hmm. it's not something you grow up hearing about either I'm sure every town has their yes their scandals but I just going on that tour and some of the stuff that I've read it just seems like Tulsa was a little more extra it was (laughs) you know what I mean like it was just a little more um outlawish <laughs> so well you know you probably also have to take into consideration that the capital was right now it's an hour and a half away i cars weren't like they were in the 1920s so yeah. you know big lawmen and big offices of law and marshals and stuff they were mm-hmm. a long ways away and you could be a little bit looser but also it was a different time and those types of things were acceptable Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. It would be hard pressed for any city to not have. It was just shocking. I don't know why, but it was just shocking. It just felt like it feels like Tulsa has a, a high number. Yes, yes, I would agree. Well, the loose woman theory about Ma Barker was suggested by the FBI mm-hmm. at the uh-huh. time. So again, I'm not sure how accurate that statement is, but I found it in a couple of sources. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of. I'm including it because if multiple sources kind of said that, I tend to believe it a little oh, more. Yeah. There's got to be a little bit of truth yeah. somewhere in it. Yeah. But um, skipping a few years ahead, um, things did improve for Mal Barker. And in 1931, when her son Fred Barker and his prison buddy, Elvin Carpus, where we get the Carpus Barker gang, um, they were released from prison. And at this time, both Fred and Carpus had gained an, e- an evil reputation, and they were making headlines as uh, competent, notorious outlaws. And with this newfound fame, it of course went to their heads. <laughs> so, and you not know, criminals having well, that and stuff honestly, go to the head. Honestly, it wasn't just Fred and and Carpus; it was the whole Barker gang. They were, I mean, during this time, they were all in and out of prison this entire time. So. Uh, at this time in the 1930s, the Barker gang definitely made their presence known and landed themselves on the FBI's radar. Um, the gang had robbed several banks, they committed murders, and even some kidnapping. So they definitely made their presence known for sure. Uh, also in 1932, uh, the Barker gang decided to move from Tulsa to Chicago. Wow. Um, but they didn't want to work for Al Capone. <laughs> So they decided to move to St. Paul, Minnesota, where it was known to be somewhat of a safe place for criminals due to the corruption of the police force. Okay. Uh, Ma, of course, went there with her children or, you know, went where her children went. Yeah. And it seemed like she was more considered like a uh, house mom for all the boys in the gang. Oh. And... I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but she did have, I guess we'll say divorced in 1928. So her and Georgia were no longer together. So she did end up having a common law husband named Arthur Dunlop. Okay. But he was said to have loose lips when drunk, which was a major problem for, you know, if he's around a gang (laughs) doing criminal (laughs) activities. So... 
the I, there was an, an incident that happened mm-hmm. and I didn't include it in my notes and I probably should have but somehow the police were on to him <laughs> and the the Barker gang and yeah. so they were kind of in a hot mess and the Barker gang blamed this Arthur Dunlap for, for um, being a snitch oh yes <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't think of that myself but yeah and they believed that he was the one to give up one of their hideouts. So Ooh, they uh-oh. murdered him. While stitches tra- get stitches. Yeah, they murdered him while they were traveling. Wow. And yeah. his naked body was found with a single bullet shot in the head near Webster, Wisconsin. So, I mean, these guys didn't play around at all. And um, so anyway, Fred Barker moved Ma frequently to different hideouts and hotels. And he seemed to be the one that was with her the most like taking her to different spots. And the reason for this was to keep Ma from learning about all of their crimes. And one source said that it was also to keep her away from the gang's girlfriends (laughs) with whom (laughs) she apparently didn't get along with. Oh. And I can see them not wanting her to know everything that they do just in case if she got arrested, they wouldn't be able to, she wouldn't be able to confirm or deny any of it because she wouldn't know. Yeah. But um, as far as the girlfriend thing goes, (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) lie, it cracked me up to be honest because I can totally see this as a jealousy thing on both the girlfriends and Ma Barker's end. And I mean, I have two brothers and (laughs) I know there were some girlfriends that my mom just did not like you know (laughs) yeah so but um I can see Ma Barker not wanting also not wanting to share her son's affections with other women like you know I mean do I think it's healthy no but I'm pretty sure there's a TLC show about that sort of thing (laughs) that you mentioned earlier (laughs) I just I thought that was interesting Mm -hmm. anyway all right, we're going to fast forward to January 8th, 1935, which was the day the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, was born. Just going to throw that out there because I'm a fan. She's a big fan. <laughs> Arthur Doc Barker mm-hmm. was arrested in Chicago. Okay. Um, I'm not sure of the details on his arrest. Not working I'm, for Al Capone. I don't think so. I'm sure there's something somewhere out there that tells exactly why he got arrested. Mm-hmm. But I didn't include it in my notes. But he was arrested for something. Okay. Because of this, when he was arrested, a map was found okay. uh, in his possession, indicating. Oh, jeez. Yeah, indicating that the other gang members were hiding out in <laughs> Oklahoma. Uh, I'm I'm probably gonna mispronounce this, but it's Oklahoma, Florida. Okay. And I'm sitting here thinking, why in the world would you have a map on your person when you're in a gang? That's been arrested and in jail for your entire life. He's the Neville Longbottom. Do what? He's the Neville Longbottom. Oh, yeah. You so know, he has the list. He had the list. Yeah, of that's right. So Some serious black got in. Because of that, uh, the FBI were able to locate the house where Ma and Fred were actually staying mm-hmm. in Lake Ware, Florida. Okay. So. Wow. That's a long way from Oklahoma. <laughs> Well, you know, Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, sorry. Or no, 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 you were right. Because I said St. Paul, Minnesota, right? Yeah, it was St. Paul. I was thinking of um, Dunlap getting shot in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. I got confused myself. On January 16th, 1935, okay. FBI agents surrounded the house, not having any idea any idea that Alvin Carpus and the other members of the Barker gang, they left a few days before, mm-hmm. leaving Ma and Fred behind. 
Now, I don't know why they were left behind. I was going to say, did they know something? But I, obviously they didn't because uh, don't you think they would have taken their mall with them? I mean, I don't know if it was one of those things where they would leave and then a few days later, maybe Ma would follow. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that makes sense. That I, makes more sense. I don't know for sure, though. Yeah. But I, I didn't really find anything that said mm-hmm. why they were there. So I, I, I honestly don't know. Okay. A four-hour-long shootout ensued after the Ooh. agents ordered them to surrender, but Fred ended up open firing on the agents, yes. which led to the four-hour shootout. Um, How much ammunition would you have to have for four hours? I don't know. I don't know if it's... And it they just have, happened to have that much? Well, I mean... Well, both sets, it might like not the FBI have, agents and the Barkers. It might not have been, like, just a continuous shooting spree. Yeah. Maybe there were times when one or the other were shooting at each other and then they stop and maybe try and speak to them again, have yeah. them come out and surrender. I mean, I don't know. I feel like at some point you would wave the white flag, especially when you notice there's 15 men out right. there with guns. Well, and you're right, though. I mean, for a four-hour-long shootout, how much am- ammunition... Yeah, you're eventually going to run out at some point. did they have? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. But I guess if you really just didn't want to go to jail. Right. Well, and surprise, surprise, both Fred and Ma were shot and killed during yeah. the shootout. So this isn't funny, but it's kind of funny. Allegedly, locals came out to watch the events as they were unfolding. And some even brought picnic lunches. I was going to... Th- that's like an American pastime because I... I used to teach social studies to fifth graders, and we would talk about some of the battles. And it was it was very normal for people to bring picnics to watch these battles go on. It was entertainment. I. It was free entertainment. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And but, it's it's like you said. The sad part is, is you know that people probably did that. Yeah, for sure. And I can't even comprehend wanting to sit outside and have a picnic while watching a shootout as it's happening because like you're my luck a sandwich and you're gonna see blood spurting well out. and my luck would be i would get hit by a stray bullet well, yeah, or something yeah i mean that would be my luck but anyway <laughs> moving Mine on too Um, Both bodies were found in the same front bedroom. Fred's body was just riddled with bullets. But the interesting thing is, is that Ma's body only appeared to have one bullet. And I'm not sure if it was in the head or maybe in the chest. I didn't notice it saying, but it... I wonder who died first. Well, it's speculated that Ma shot herself, but... We'll never know because only two people who were there are now dead. (laughs) Yeah. But I almost wonder if... She didn't shoot herself. Maybe Fred shot her because he maybe didn't she, want her oh. to be taken in. So if there was only one bullet room, I was like, maybe he shot her if she had already been like shot. But you said there was only one. Yeah. Wow. So, um, and I, I mean, how likely is it that some random FBI agent, which I don't even know how close they were to the house when the shootout mm-hmm. is going mm-hmm. on, but how likely is it that one of their bullets was the one bullet to right. kill her. <laughs> right. Can't really so, take. Anyway, it's just interesting. Uh, uh, according to the FBI, uh, a Tommy gun was found lying in Ma's, in Ma Barker's hands. So, I mean, take that as you will. But, so here's why I'm kind of skeptical about the FBI and their role. And, well, 
they're saying her role as the criminal mastermind. Um, We have to remember that all four of her sons were career criminals. Yes, yes. They were at the top of the FBI's most wanted list. So, Mm -hmm. of course, they're going to spin her role in the gang in the worst way possible and try and. Well, and knowing that she's always going to probably house them and cover for them and take up for them. And well, and you know, she did because they, you know, was, oh, my poor innocent boys all the time. Exactly. I mean, that she definitely didn't help the situation, Mm -hmm. but I still. I'm just skeptical about how awful she actually was. Yeah. I mean, she could have been the mastermind behind it all. I don't know. But um, there are several movies out there that portray her in that way as the villain. So I'm just going to list a few. One of them's Ma Barker's Killer Brood, Bloody Mama, and uh, (laughs) Public Enemies, just to name a a few. But um, also what's interesting is historians find this perception of Ma Barker to be false Mm -hmm. and they are skeptical because or that she actually participated in the shootout at all and Alvin Karpus Mm -hmm. and other gang members were all pretty insistent that her contributions to the criminal scene were very minimal like why would they have they wouldn't have any reason to lie about that I wouldn't think I I wouldn't think so either hashtag Um, criminals though they said her role was more along the lines of being nurturing. She was okay. merely the house mother. Okay. And I'm using quotation marks there. Um, house mother of the gang, mm-hmm. providing shelter and meals. Mm-hmm. and Just being a mom. You know. You know. Yeah. Probably doing laundry. And and Al- Alvin Carpus actually, he later wrote that Mar Bar- Ma Barker was somebody that they looked after, but it never, it never would have crossed her mind to get involved in their business. Which, as notorious, as infamous as they were Mm -hmm. as a gang, I can see them being like, this is not your business. You need to back off. You know what I mean? Like, if she tried to butt in. A woman in the 20s and 30s, there was no place for her, probably. Right. So I don't see her. In the kitchen. I don't see her masterminding anything. That's true. But. I always think of, though, like, when I see her and I think of her. The mom, the villain mom on the Goonies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's kind of, honestly, that's kind of what I had yeah. in my mind. Yeah. When hearing that's this. who I'm picturing. Right. Um, right. And but how true is that? I really? mean, but you see how this is such a different description of her character than how the FBI portrayed her. Yes. And as she was the brains of the operation and that she ruled with this iron fist, it just doesn't. You know, the it just makes you of wonder. It being that true. Well, and Carpus actually suggested that the uh, FBI purposely portrayed her this way because um, it was a way to justify them killing an old woman. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I don't know. You guys can think whichever way. Yeah, I let honestly us know what your theories are. It's just been so long ago that curious cousins okay at gmail.com. Oh, there we go. Shout out. Um, one interesting thing is, I'm almost done. So one interesting thing is that there, I mean, there are no records indicating that Ma Barker had ever been arrested or even charged with a crime. So it does make you wonder. Yeah. So um, Ma, Herman, and Fred um, are actually all buried near Welch, Oklahoma. Okay. Um, that's kind of Ma Barker in a nutshell. Wow. So I hope that was interesting. That is interesting. I didn't know 
a lot about, I didn't know anything about it really. Good grief, I need to stop touching this thing. All right, you ready for another star? I am absolutely ready. Hopefully it goes better than mine. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I am going to finish the star clans. They're, I don't know, we could call her maybe their their crowning jewel. I am going to discuss Belle Star, also known as the Queen of the Outlaws. Um, It is stated in several sources that she is the most famous female Oklahoma outlaw that there ever was. By the end of this, you might not know, maybe you won't believe that she really, her story is as notorious as, kind of similar to Ma Barker's. A lot of it may have been fabricated over the years. But let's start out in the beginning. I'm, I'm, I have to say, I've been looking forward to because <laughs> I've, I've read stuff about her, but honestly, I don't remember any of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. She was quite the character, I think. Um, she was born Myra Mabel Shirley on February 5th in 1848 in Carthage, Missouri, and died February 3rd, 1889 at 40 years old in Eufaula, Indian Territory, which, of course, is now Oklahoma. She was married three times. Her first marriage was to James Reed, second to Sam Starr, and third to Jim July Starr. Wait, what? <laughs> we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> uh, she had two children, Pearl Reed, but she actually went by Star, uh, Pearl Star, and then Eddie Reed. So both her children were from her first husband. Said to have a strong sense of style. Loved having her picture taken. There's lots of examples that you can look up, and I'll post some on Instagram. She was often sporting um, a black velvet riding habit, a plumed hat, carried two pistols, and sat side saddle. How ladylike. Yes. She often wore her two piddle... Piddles. <laughs> she often wore her two pistols and cartridge belts daintily across her hips. She is one of those American outlaws that definitely became way more notorious after her death than she was living. She was an associate of the James Younger Gangs. Her death is actually officially unsolved. And we're going to get into several theories about her death, but it is an unsolved mystery. Interesting. Okay. Um, Her story was actually popularized by an author slash publisher, Richard K. Fox. He was the editor and publisher of National Police Gazette. Her character, I say quote character, became popular in TVs and movies. So let's talk about her life. Okay. Her father was John Shirley, the black sheep among his well-to-do Virginia family. He was a successful farmer and innkeeper. He married and divorced twice and then married again. Her mother was Eliza Hatfield. Like from the Hatfields and McCoys? Absolutely. Ooh. She was that Hatfield. Oh. She was. So Eliza Hatfield Shirley was her mom. To her family, Belle was called May. She received a classical education. So that means that she was quite accomplished in uh, piano and writing. She knew several foreign languages. Um, S- sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. 
so she they were like a well-to-do family yes. they yes. were it sounds like they were well off if she was that educated I mean, and her father came from a well a very well-off virginia family but because he decided to go in to like become a farmer and uh-huh. an innkeeper they kind of shunned him because i guess that's not how they rolled oh. Oh. she graduated from missouri's cart Carthridge Female Academy. This is a school that her own father helped to found um, during the Civil War. So she was, of course, alive during the whole Civil War, and it just really pulled her family apart. It ruined her father's business. Her brother John actually became a Missouri bushwhacker and was part of the guerrilla soldiers who fought in in the Union Army. Belle was rumored or thought to support her brother in this by helping out carrying messages and becoming a spy. I don't know. Uh, The truth is very unknown here. So Belle's brother was killed by Union troops in June of 1864. And her... Oh, sorry. Oh, is, no. d- uh, did it say, was he like an older brother or was he yes, a younger he was, brother? Her, yeah. Older? Older okay. brother. I think her oldest brother, actually. Oh, okay. um, did, her, it, did you mention how many siblings she had? I did not. Do you know? know? No, I forgot. Oh, okay. I, I was just curious. Uh, her father was reported as being so upset that he sold all of his properties there in Missouri, loaded up two wagons, and moved the family to Texas. It was said that Belle herself drove one of the wagons. Of course, this is not substantiated by any history but i sure hope she did that would have been awesome well i mean i'm thinking of if she lived in like a city right or was it oh no no he was a farmer yeah yeah well him being a farmer i could totally see her being able to handle driving a wagon even though she had a classic education she probably knew how to handle animals yeah i'm i mean i think that's really cool um so her family then settled in Skyeny, I don't, I don't know if I'm saying that right. It is S C Y E N E, Texas. So she grows up the rest of the way there in Texas. And in November 1st of 1866, Bell marries James C. Reed. It is said that they thought that he may have been disliked by her parents, mm-hmm. but maybe not. Um, he was rumored to have already been an outlaw at this time, and. You know, her family is kind of a little bit more well-to-do, so it would make sense if they really may have not liked her. Well, I mean, and if he was an outlaw, I'm sure they wouldn't have approved. They're not Ma Barker. (laughs) We got soft spots for bad boys, I guess. (laughs) Pearl was born two years later. Her actual name was Rosie, but she did go by Pearl. Belle was said to call her that. My little pearl. Oh, I see. That's cute. That is cute. Reed turned to crime and became wanted for murder in Arkansas. So her husband did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So he upped and moved the family to California. Mm. In 1871, James Edwin, or Eddie Reed, is born. James Sr. moves the family back to Texas and then becomes friendly with the Star Clan. And Belle's friends in the James and Younger gangs, my, my research seems very hazy here. It is said that Belle met members of the James and Younger Games during her time working for the bushwhackers and guerrilla soldiers in Missouri. However, the members of the gangs would have worked different groups than mm-hmm. Belle, yeah. so it, is, it isn't solid that they met that way. Nevertheless, an article from Los Angeles Times in 2002 entitled Truth Dims the Legend of the Outlaw Queen, Bell Star, by Cecilia Rusmussen, 
uh, says that Belle and Cole did meet during the Civil War and that he even paid his respects to her family when he learned her brother had been killed. Interesting. So it seems that the James Younger Reed gang hid out in Texas with the Shirley family. Uh-huh. So now it leads me to kind of think maybe didn't not like, maybe they did actually like Reed or well, her husband James. And if her brother, uh, well, since her brother died, during the Civil War, mm-hmm. probably uh, while he was fighting or bushwhacking, whatever yeah. it was, I could see them having some kind of, uh, I don't want to say hate, but some kind of dislike for... Grievance or something. Against the United States. Oh, yeah. Because sure. their son had died. Well, and they absolutely and, moved straight to Texas, which, you know, was kind yeah. of as far south as you could get... Well, yeah, and I, I mean, I could see them being more approving of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. her outlaw oh, yeah. bow, so to speak. This actually, her familiarity and friendship and knowing the James Younger group mm-hmm. is what actually created the myth of Cole Younger being the father of Pearl. There's a lot of myth here, oh. and cement, it cemented the friendship of these outlaws. It also mentions that while in California, James and Belle visited Frank and Jesse James. Their uncle there in California had a spa, and the brothers might have been there, but they were, you know, possibly could have known each other from Texas. So, um, but it is speculated that they did meet in California. Um, In the same year, in 1871, the feds discovered that James Reed was in California, so the the family moved back to Texas. Reed returned to his life of crime with the help of the Star Clan, as well as the James Younger Gang. Okay. So in April of 1874, Belle has a warrant out for her arrest because there was a stagecoach robbery. It was the San Antonio to Austin stage. Mm -hmm. Her husband was definitely involved in this holdup, but there is actually very little evidence that Belle was. So how did a warrant come out for her then? I think... Honestly, like from this that I've seen, like maybe they put a warrant out for her arrest arrest because they were just simply trying to get him. You know, there's a lot of saying that she was there, she held up the stagecoach, she had the getaway horses, and then he got all the loot or whatever. Mm -hmm. But there really isn't any solid evidence that she was actually there. So it was probably just a get through her to get to him kind of thing. I think so, yeah. And then in August of 1874, Jim Reed uh, robs a wealthy Native American. His name was Watt Grayson. And one source said that he was Choctaw, but then I had another source that said he was Creek, so I'm not sure what tribe he belonged to. But anyway, it was said to have made off with more than $30,000, which in today's money would be about 780000 Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well. So he made off with that. Following this event, there was a gunfight, and James Reed was killed there in Texas. Okay. Another kind of funny rumor mm-hmm. is that Bell refused to identify his body simply because then the deputy that shot him would not get the reward money. <laughs> so savage of her. <laughs> that's like she wouldn't identify his body. <laughs> Part um, of me hopes that's true just because it's kind of funny. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, it is rumored that in 1878, Bell marries James Younger, although that same LA Times article that I referenced before called him Bruce. Bruce? And I don't remember ever hearing him called Bruce before. 
Um, so Bruce could have been the uncle of Cole, but it's really convoluted. Like there was, there's no marriage certificate on it, and it was it was rumored to only last for three weeks. So we're not really sure. Yeah, if that even really happened. But, I also feel like because at that time, you know, the younger gang was pretty famous. Yes. I feel like there would have been a lot more hullabaloo about oh, it. Oh, I'm sure. You know? Yeah, I agree. So in about 1880, Belle go ahead, goes ahead and marries Sam Starr and moves to Indian Territory. This is where Belle learns about how to harbor fugitives, organize wrestlers, bootleggers, and horse thieves. She learned that from her father-in-law well, or her grandfather-in-law. No, it would be her father-in-law. Oh, yeah. yeah Tom, Tom Starr's her father-in-law. Henry Starr's her nephew. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Sam so Starr's confusing. dad is old Tom Starr. Okay. So, it's so confusing. <laughs> it's rumored that Belle is the reason that old Tom Starr named his homestead Younger's Ben. It is said that she harbored feelings for Cole Younger. And so this goes right along with the rumors that he fathered Pearl and all of that. This is not true, it is said, because it is known that Tom Starr had a relationship with the Cole and Younger band. I said that wrong. Cole Younger is the guy. The Younger James band. I, I knew where gang, you were going. Not band either. What are we doing? That he named it because he admired and he harbored the Younger James gang. He harbored them. He was right. friends with them. That's why he named it that. Interesting. So in 1883, Belle and Sam are arrested and charged with horse thief theft. They were horse thieves. <laughs> we're struggling today. It's been a day on the Let's be real. My kids mm-hmm. had a birthday party at a trampoline park today. Well, and just, and we have to tell them, too, before that, they were just oh my balls gosh. of energy. Mama, mama, They mama. said my name 3,000 times. <laughs> and... So we get to this trampoline park, and everything is great. They're having a great time, just being wild and crazy boys that they are. And my oldest gets himself stuck in the <laughs> I, it's like foam, foam pit. square pit. Yeah, it's like not balls, they're like foam pit. You have to imagine like a um, gymnastic yes, exactly. setting. Yes. And... He gets himself stuck, and I'm like, just sit up. Just sit up. Not to mention, he hasn't been playing in it for, like, the last hour. Right. So he could get out. He couldn't get out, and I just knew, like, he had that look in his eyes that he was going to start to panic. And Yeah, he definitely had that look like he was about to lose it. Yes. So mom comes to the rescue, and the thing is, with little kids, they fall on top of the foam. Big kids or go adults. St- <laughs> or adults. We go straight to the bottom. So no more than I get in, get him out. He is great to go. And I it takes me probably ten minutes to get out of there. I watched the entire thing. It <laughs> was the most cardio exercise I had had in a long time. And now I'm just exhausted. <laughs> Not to mention that it was a wee bit mortifying trying to hoist my big old self out. Like, why do they not have have stairs or something built into the side? I thought there, I thought there would 
would be like a ledge a on the ladder side. or something. But there no. wasn't. I just there sat wasn't. there and watched the whole thing. <laughs> I did offer to help. <laughs> she but... did. But I don't know that she could have. I mean, you're lucky I didn't pull my phone out and record the whole thing. I am very lucky. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Um, so, anyway, so they were arrested and charged for horse theft. And, of course, they go to court and the hanging judge himself. Ivan Parker. Judge Isaac Parker. Oh, Isaac. I don't know why. Ivan Parker is like a gospel singer, I think. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Isaac, Judge Isaac, partner, hopefully. Listeners, you remember him. He tried, and what do you think he found them? Guilty. Guilty. He did. Guilty. Bell served nine months and was a model prisoner. Of course she Mm -hmm. was. She probably had her feminine wiles working, too. (laughs) Sam, on the other hand, didn't get that trait. He was not a model prisoner, so he was sentenced to hard labor. And it's I I could never find how long it was for. So. Did they say what hard labor was? No, they didn't specify. In my mind, I imagine like the ball and chain gang and they're like breaking up rock or something. Yeah. That's what I imagine. I don't know. So in 1886, Bell and Sam are arrested again for stealing more horses and harboring fugitives and robbing a wealthy farmer. But they're acquitted. Mm. It, that's the only mention of that crime. Okay. And so I don't know... Maybe they bribed him. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, December 17th of 1886, Sam gets into a gunfight with the law officer, Frank West, who is actually Sam's cousin. <laughs> the men actually shot and killed each other. <laughs> it's not funny, but the look on your face is funny. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. I'm just trying yeah. to process. It is thought at this time... Uh, Belle's outlaw queen life and the happiest time of her life was over. It, several place, several sources said that she was probably happiest mar- being married to Sam. Okay. Even though Reed gave her children and they traveled a lot. And it doesn't ever say that they had an unhappy marriage. But yeah. Maybe, maybe just the notoriety of who she was and being a part of the star gang. I don't know. So, yeah, there's no telling. Yeah. So between 1887 and 1889, many rumors and scandals are swirling around because Belle Starr really becomes a recluse. They're just regarding her relationships and her reputations with different men, such as outlaw Jack Spaniard and Jim Fritch and Blue Duck. And I know there's a very famous picture of her and Blue Duck taken together, and Mm -hmm. many, many sources do say that they were lovers. Well, I mean, it sounds like any celebrity that you... Like now, I mean, any of them, they're like, oh, you know all about their lives. Yeah. They're all in the media all the time. And we'll get into why there was so much scandal surrounding her. Um, Regardless, she had built a quiet home for herself and her children, but because she's not Native um, or of the Cherokee Nation, she could not stay in Indian Territory. And so, even though she was married to one, exactly, but they didn't have children together. And I thought that was weird because I was like, you were also living on your father-in-law's land, right? So, I didn't know that she was not because she was native. She couldn't stay in Indian territory. She wasn't supposed to live there because she's not Native American. So she goes ahead and she marries Jim July Star, a relative of Sam, who was fifteen years younger. 
I was hoping you would make that sign. I was hoping. Um, so fun fact, um, Jim July star may not actually be related to the star clan at all. Some sources say that he was the son of old Tom star born in 1863. Mm -hmm. However, other sources say Jim July was born in 1861 to an unknown mom and dad, but was from the extended star family. I see. Yes. But I believe that he was kind of raised by Tom. Okay. So in February 3rd of 1889, this is like comes to a very abrupt end. She was murdered. Bella's murdered. And there are many theories surrounding her death. And today her murder does remain unsolved. So here's a little bit of true crime yeah, for well, us. I'm excited to hear it. Um, but yeah, she just abruptly dies. So was she in Indian territory yes, at this time? Because now that she was married to Jim July, she was able to stay and keep her home and keep her homestead that she had with Sam because now she was back married to an Indian Because Sam was dead because of the... Yes, yes. So here's our first theory. Belle was riding home from a neighbor's house when she was ambushed. She was said to have fallen from her horse, then shot again to ensure she would die. She had shotgun wounds in her back and neck, shoulder and face. Okay. Not so much that that's a theory as that's actually what happened. Right. That that is what happened. Now it comes to who was the one who ambushed her. Right. There was also the theory that she was actually shot with her own double-barreled shotgun, and that is, I do not believe it's true. Well, I mean, a shotgun and, like, a rifle shoot different. Right, exactly. And how would they have gotten it from? I guess if they ambushed her, they could have taken it from her. Well, I mean, if they, like, pulled her off her horse or something. What if she didn't even have it? I mean, I guess she was probably known. In that day... It does make you wonder, if, yeah. if that was the case, how did they get it yes. exactly? I mean, in my mind, I'm kind of like, well, in that day and age, you probably always traveled with some sort of rifle or pistol or something. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean... So, this is another theory. And this theory is actually via Frank, Pistol Pete, and Eaton. Oh. So go Pokes. <laughs> Bronco, so <laughs> I'm not. I'm a cowboy fan. We just lost half our listeners. <laughs> no, it's okay. We love everyone. Here's here's the thing. Most, well, okay. No, I'm not even gonna say it. I was gonna say. <laughs> well, in our family, though, half of them went to OU. Half of them went to Stillwater. The other little small OSU, bit. you can say their name. Oh, okay. Some you of them were Sooners and some of them were Cowboys. The rest of us went to the little smaller schools. But it's hard to Jess be. Jess and my sister. Oh, I guess. And Damon. Miranda. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Shout out to our other cousins. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> what were we talking about? Well, I was going to tell you about. Okay, just go ahead. Okay. We'll cut. We're going to cut that entire thing yeah. out right there. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> All right. So this theory comes via Frank Pistol Pete Eaton. He says that Belle was at a dance where Frank himself was the last man to dance with her. Edgar J. Watson, who happened to be a sharecropper of Belle's, was super drunk and asked her to dance. She declined. This upset him. Edgar followed her home, and when she stopped at a creek to water her house... <laughs> Are you 
and hungry. Water her horse. Um, she, he shot and killed her. Watson was actually tried and convicted and executed for murder by hanging. This is all from Frank Eaton himself. How does he know all of that? Okay, I mean, first I off, it's, he, I don't even think it's all true. Not It's not all true. It's well, not all true. It makes me think, okay, you've danced with her, and yeah, maybe you saw the other guy come up to her, and she was like, no, not today. I don't want to. Yeah. But how does he know that he fought, like, followed her and shot and killed exactly. her? Exactly. Stalker? That's what I'm thinking. So here's the other theory. There were no witnesses to her murder. So there's no convictions for her murder, which obviously it's still it's still insult. But there are many suspects with motive. That includes her new husband, Jim July, both her children, and this Edgar Watson. It is believed Bell knew he was running from the law in Florida for murder, and it is suspected he was afraid she would turn him in. Oh, her husband? No, Edgar. This is that Edgar Watson. So he is a mo- he he was a prime suspect. Okay. Also, Jim July was a suspect, and her two children also had. Mo- Are you gonna say why they were? Um. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Edgar was tried for her murder, but he was acquitted. And it is believed that Bell and Edgar did have a major falling out. It is said she was afraid that the law would discover she was harboring him, so she told Edgar to leave and even returned his rent money to him. And they argued about it, and it's thought that Bell told Edgar, federal marshals might not want you, but the Florida officers might. And after Edgar's acquittal, he quickly left Indian Territory because he believed that Jim July would seek revenge for Bell's murder. Okay. That one probably makes the most sense in it, and he just happened to get acquitted Uh for the crime. I mean, she was a known outlaw. She was known to harbor outlaws. She was a part of that star family. So I could see how people were like, well, it's not no, it's not a big deal that she died. Right. You know? She deserved it. Yeah, exactly. The theory for, or I don't, I don't know how many theories I am. Jim July does accuse Edgar Watson of Bell's death. And after Bell, Ed was cleared, Ed accused Jim July of Bell's death. Mm. So several marshals were sent, or they were dispatched to investigate. And then here is another theory. Milo Hoyt, a new man comes in. This is the man who actually found Bell's dead body. He claims to have heard the shots that killed her and witnessed her horse running off. Milo also accused Jim July of murdering Bell. And Milo claimed that Jim July asked him, Milo, Mm -hmm. to kill Bell and even offered him $200 to do the job. I don't know how true that is. I don't know that historians know how true that is, but is, there was another theory. So are they sure that she was shot like at nighttime or because in the first or when you were talking about it, you said that she it was seemed to that she was going home from a neighbor's mm-hmm. house. So in my mind, I'm still thinking, well, it was still daylight outside. Yeah. But then these other theories make it sound like it happened at night. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming it happened at night. Well, and also, if you think about it, at nighttime, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't be out just mm-hmm. because, you know, back then they didn't have street lights. Yeah, and exactly. Stuff like that. So it would be really hard to see. And unless mm-hmm. the moon was just shining super bright, right? you know, there's the danger of your horse getting as foot stuck in a hole and breaking his leg or something. So I don't know. I was just curious. 
Yes. Sorry, I just kind of rambled. No, that's okay. That's okay. So the last theory that I found was that Belle's son, Eddie Reed, killed her for beating him. How old was he? Well, he had, he had mistreated her beloved horse, so she beat him for it. I don't know. He, wait, wait. He mistreated her beloved horse? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. So I don't know. So here's some fun facts. Later in 1889, Richard K. Fox, he was the publisher of the National Police Gazette, made Belle infamous with his novel, Bell Star, the Bandit Queen, or the female Jesse James. Well, Remember, turn of the century novel titles were ginormous. Right, those dime novels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like early book titles, am I right? You're right. This novel is actually considered a historical reference, though. Her name and character appears in many movies, leading her to be more famous in death than life. She is certainly not a bandit queen, but more of a small-time horse thief. Belle simply lived mostly and associated with big outlaws. She right. honestly wasn't a big outlaw herself. Yeah. It's the people you know. Yes. Cole Younger was rumored to have fathered her daughter, Pearl. He denied this fact until, like, he wrote his own autobiography, so he denies it in there, and it is said that on his deathbed, where everybody was waiting for that deathbed confessional, right, right. he said again, I am not her father. It makes you, like, did they look alike? It I don't know. It makes you wonder why everyone I don't know. just assumed. I think it was just one of those... It's almost like they wanted it to be true. They wanted it to be true, and it just, it wasn't. Belle was, in fact, like stative, not Native American. She was not Cher- Cherokee. She just ended up marrying one. And then I'm going to read from one of my sources called Oklahoma Scoundrels, His- History's Most Notorious Outlaws, Bandit, and Gangsters. It's by Robert Barr Smith and Lawrence J. Yadin. Still, Bell has probably inspired as much mythology as any other outlaw in the history of the West, which is saying rather a lot. Part of her legend is that she was Cherokee. She wasn't. That she had Cole Younger's child. No, she didn't. And that she galloped about carrying messages for Missouri guerrillas during the Civil War. Probably not. Still, since Belle lived in a time when any sort of female outlaw was a sensation, some of the florid prose about her reached epic proportions. For example, this marvelous drivel written by Captain Kit Dalton. A more winning smile never illumined the face of a Madonna. A more cruel human never walked the deck of a pirate ship. This phenomenally beautiful half-savage, a maroon Diana in the chase, a Venus in beauty, a Minerva in Winston. (laughs) What a woman. What a criminal mastermind. What nonsense. How many more goddesses can he name it now? I just thought that was very beautifully. I mean, I hope something like that is written about me when I die. <laughs> was, she, was she even that beautiful? Uh, I, she, maybe for that day and age. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, okay. Ultimately, most historians believe that Belle only fenced horses instead of stealing and murdering. There's no nothing that ever said she ever murdered anybody. Mm-hmm. It is stated that Belle enjoyed the finer things in life. Oh. I mean, most ladies do, I suppose. She loved having her picture taken. So there's lots of picture evidence of her. She often posed with her guns and her horse. Well, and that probably also um, built up her... Yeah. Her reputation and her yeah. reputation, yes. Exactly. Remember that robbery of Watt Grayson, her first husband, Jim Reed, did? Uh-huh. 
Okay, so it was rumored that Belle accompanied him, helping to torture him and even attempted to hang him. Oh. All in an attempt to get Watt to reveal where he'd hidden the money. Watt managed the tribe's subsidiaries. Oh, okay. Belle was said that she had started to torture Watt's wife, and that's how he gave up the location of the money. I don't... I only found that in one source, mm-hmm. and it was still, like, they didn't know if that was 100% true or not. It's all alleged. Yes. Um, Belle claimed most stories about her were rumors started by other women. So this is where the scandal comes in. Yeah. She didn't have many women friends. It was actually said that she detested women. Well, they probably hated her just because yes. she was in... Uh, what am I trying to say? Because she was so in with those popular gangs at the time yes yes i mean i can imagine if she's hanging out with jesse james or one she's of the younger she's a part of the, the one of their girlfriends yeah. could have just hated her on principle exactly. because she was such a good friend and then on a happier note something that we you and i uh-huh. share in common with her they loved to cook uh-huh. and often traded recipes with the neighbors oh and that my friends is Bell Star. Is she buried in She is buried. Her oh, daughter you... went and claimed her body and she is buried here in Oklahoma. Because you said she died what in what is now Eufaula, right? Yes. Okay. And so there's a her daughter had a very nice memorial built for her. Her daughter was actually, they believe I believe, was a madam of oh, a brothel. Okay. And then yeah. her son, he was, I think kind of an outlaw as well. Well, when you grow up around that, that's Absolutely. like all you know. Exactly. Not that that's an excuse. We're not giving them an excuse. They could have made better choices, but that's true. That's true. All right. So are we ready for our last gangster? Hit me with your best shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I am actually really excited about this one because I feel like most people have have heard of him. Okay. And uh, at least I know I have. Mm-hmm. I had heard of him, but I didn't know really anything about his life. So I'm actually really excited to tell you about this one. This is Charles Ar- Arthur Floyd, a.k.a. Chalk, Charlie, or Pretty Boy Floyd. Ooh! Tell me more, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> okay, so my sources, of course, came from... 100 Oklahoma Outlaws, Gangsters, and Lawmen, uh, the TulsaPeople.com, OKHistory.org, and uh, Oklahoma Scoundrels by Robert Barr and Robert Barr Smith and Jay Yadin. So, getting right into it. Charles Arthur Floyd, he was born on February 3rd, 1904, near Adairsville, Georgia. His parents were Walter Lee Floyd and Mammy Helena Eccles Floyd. He was one of six children. There were actually three boys and three girls. So, kind of worked out, huh? Yeah. Um, I like families that are perfect like that. Yeah. It's my type A personality. <laughs> uh, in 1911, the Floyds left Georgia and they migrated west to get... Okay, you'll like this one. Hanson, Sequoia County, Oklahoma. Oh. We are big Hanson fans. Yeah, we are. So... Um, we are, we are. For those who don't know, Hanson, the Sequoia County, Oklahoma, that is uh, in eastern Oklahoma near Salisaw. So yes. it's yes. quite close to the Arkansas 
yeah. border. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Uh, Char- Charlie, I'm going to start calling him Charlie till he gets a little older, but Charlie was described as a rambunctious, very smart boy, full of mischief. And okay, this is what I find funny. <laughs> he was described as a beefy child. Ooh, beefy. So, I'm not sure what that means. It, maybe he was a uh, big as a kid uh-huh. or for his age. Or maybe he was just like a husky child. Not sure really quite what beefy means. I mean, I had a beefy baby. Yeah. The baby he was beefy. That, that, that is true. <laughs> so cute. Okay. Michelin man, more or less. <laughs> it's not a bad description. <laughs> Charlie was raised on a small tenant farm where he and his two brothers, they helped their father working in the cotton and cornfields. They also helped with the livestock and the poultry. His his mother stayed busy, of course, raising the kids. Right. And but she also did canning fruits and vegetables. Okay. And it was said she uh, became a respected member of the Hanson Baptist Church. And of course, his sisters helped with more of the house chores yeah. and keeping the house tidy. And on June twenty fifth, nineteen twelve. Another sister was born. So he ended up having four sisters. Okay. Uh, It should be stated that at this time, while children like Charlie grew up tilling the soil and helping their fathers with the farm, their fathers, quote unquote, farmed the woods. Any guesses what that might mean? I had never heard that. This is farm the woods. Yeah, I never heard this expression. Was he before. a hunter? Or did he go looking for like what are those truffle mushrooms or something? No, they were making moonshine. Oh, oh, farming the woods. I had oh. ever heard. I had never heard that before, either. So. I'd never heard that either. Um, and apparently, Charlie also learned the art of making corn liquor. Okay. And by his early teens, he had earned the nickname Chalk, after his love of Choctaw beer which was a popular homebrew made from barley, hops, tobacco, fish berries, and a small amount of alcohol. So I actually had no idea what fish berries were, so I had to look it up. Do yeah. you know what they are? Have you ever heard of them? Fish berries? Yeah. It's like caviar? No, I don't know. No, I don't know. Fish berries are a type of fruit, and they contain a... Uh, or contain it contains I'm, I'm probably gonna say this wrong even though you sent me a link on how to pronounce things <laughs> i didn't look at it <laughs> my bad <laughs> but fish berries contain what's called picri- picrotoxin 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 yeah and it can be found or it can, it can be poisonous to humans in high doses and the choctaws actually used fish berries to stun fish, hence the name, I guess. Okay. Like tobacco, small doses of fish berries could produce a pleasant buzz to humans, while a large dose could bring about, like, intense sickness. Yeah. So that was Choctaw beer for you. Interesting. um, Charlie, of course, he wasn't content to work on a farm, and he grew tired of the menial work of farm life and found comfort in the many stories about you guessed it, outlaws. <laughs> especially you don't say. Well, you know, especially ones as like Jesse James, 
the Doolin and Dalton gangs, all all of them made quite an impression yeah. on young Charlie. So I feel like with all of these start the all of these stories that we have talked about so far, a lot of them got some kind of influence from Jesse James or well he was know. so idolized and romanticized is that the right word maybe yeah. as an outlaw even you know when at the height of his career he was yeah. so romanticized and you know he was he went out in a blaze of glory and mm-hmm. yeah as an outlaw they probably considered him successful right. and this is what your life could be like and it was glamorous and yeah. he was famous and yeah it's just interesting <laughs> yes yes they all it's all intertwined in some way yeah i have an interesting fact for you okay by 1912 1912 just one year after the Floyds moved to oklahoma mm-hmm Oklahoma held the record as having the highest number of bank robberies in the country, according to one source. Well, you know what that was, right? <laughs> Henry Starr. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's right when he moved back, back to, to Oklahoma. 1912 was? Around that time, yeah. <laughs> one source mentioned that even before the Great Depression, many tenant farmers and sharecroppers had a huge dislike of the banks in any kind of moneyed institution Mm -hmm. just to explain for anyone who might not know the difference between a tenant farmer and a sharecropper the merriam-webster dictionary describes a tenant farmer as a farmer who works land owned by another and pays rent either in cash or in shares of produce okay the merriam-webster dictionary describes a sharecropper as a tenant farmer especially in the southern u.s who is provided with credit for seed tools living space and food and they work the land and they receive like an agreed share of values of the crop okay okay minus the charges that's kind of the difference because i know for me i've heard those terms but kind of like one ear out the other didn't really pay much attention to what they actually meant so (laughs) anyway that's what they mean Going back to the banks, those institutions were seen as soulless bullies who didn't care who you were, what you did. They would just basically rob you at any and every opportunity. They were not seen in a good light, yeah, so to speak. Okay. They were seen as the bad guys. Yes. And robbing one, especially in Oklahoma, during this time, mm-hmm. was seen as like the ultimate protest. Mm-hmm. In today's terms, it would be like giving them the middle finger. Okay, okay. Robbing a bank would be. Okay. In rural Oklahoma, this time, these quote-unquote bandits, Mm -hmm. they were kind of seen as the good guys. I was going to say, it kind of sounds like a Robin Hood Exactly, and it's funny that you said that. It's funny that you say that because I actually put in my notes that they were almost actually seen. (laughs) (laughs) They were almost like seen as like... Uh, vigilantes or yeah. they had like this Robin Hood complex about him yeah. but what's funny is I'm pretty sure these guys robbing the banks weren't robbing to give to the poor no, no, so no. you know it's just kind of funny that that's the way they thought this is important because this view of the bandit lifestyle will make a huge impression on young Charlie throughout okay. his life just keep that in mind mm-hmm. and well and for most of them got away with it too right well because, funny you say that you know, because I'm actually something I'm going to talk about. It doesn't really have to do with Pretty Boy Floyd, yeah. but it has to do with what's going on at this time. Mm-hmm. 
you know, in 1929 when the stock market crashed, many of the farmers who were just barely scraping by already had placed their poultry sum that they were savings that they had yeah. in these banks. Mm-hmm, exactly. When the stock market crashed, these farmers were all of a sudden destitute. Mm-hmm. And they lost everything. Mm -hmm. Even worse than that, cotton prices dropped Mm -hmm. to an Mm all-time low Mm -hmm. and just completely wiping out the market. Mm -hmm. So this caused many farmers to have to foreclose, which essentially just fed into this massive dislike of these banks. happened when he saw the bank robberies as basically deserved to pay back yes okay i mean that makes sense it makes me think of now i don't personally know anybody who had these stories but it makes you think of like an older person saying oh well my dad didn't trust the bank so he buried his money in the backyard or yes you know something like that so i actually asked my dad Uh if he had heard any stories in his family of someone doing that and he said no but he had heard of a guy now I don't think he was related to us yeah he had just heard a story that he actually had silver dollars that he would hide in the bedpost iron bedpost of his thing I remember he mentioned something about a fire and burning I was gonna say what happened if there was a fire but anyway I just thought that was kind of funny so anyway going back to Charlie now all of this kind of ties in just up the road in Salisaw Oklahoma was a grocery store owner by the name of J.H. Harkrider. Harkrider was a respected shop owner, and it's his store where Charlie got his first taste of life of crime. Mm-hmm. And apparently, <laughs> Charlie had a sweet tooth, and he loved him some iced cookies. And nothing like a good iced cookie. I mean, <laughs> I know I do, hence the poundage that I wear, but um, I see no crime there. <laughs> It seemed that every time Charlie was in his store, these cookies would disappear. He was just a little boy at this time. Oh, yeah. Not a grown man. He he wasn't even 10 years old yet. Oh, okay. He was still like nine. Around if there's like a 29 year old man coming to a grocery store and stealing cookies. He was a young boy stealing cookies. Whoops, sorry. I just took my. But um, so I just want to mention in the last episode, you talked about Henry Starr and the time when. Um, he was shot at uh, when he was on horseback and he was the bullet got embedded into the saddle. Yes, yes. Well, interestingly enough, J.H. Hardrider was the one who actually repaired Henry Starr's saddle oh, from this incident. That's so awesome. I thought because he like, was alive and well during these times. I was like, so that's a small world, right? Yeah. So as well as stealing cookies from the local grocer, one source said that he later helped. Okay. <laughs> I just had to say, um, this really cracked me up, and it probably shouldn't have, but I just found it funny. (laughs) When he was a teenager, he apparently helped other boys his age switch babies from one crib into another during a church tent revival. Oh, (laughs) jeez. I don't know how much truth there is to that claim because I only found it in one source. I wanted to include it because honestly, I just I just thought it was funny because I'm sitting here <laughs> thinking swapping kids into different beds during a church tent revival. It just cracks me up for some reason <laughs> because it seems so innocent, but then it's... Yeah. And it could be terrifying. And it could be terrifying, yeah. especially. But, you know, of course, in my mind, I'm sitting here thinking it's in Salisaw, so it's mm-hmm. not like a huge... And it's not like they're newborn babies. They're probably... I, on, I mean, I don't know, but 
I thought surely if you brought your baby to the church, or yeah, the Bible, I mean, I don't you probably s- knew what they look like. I don't want to say that it was okay that he was doing no, it. No, it wasn't it just okay. The fact that they thought to do it, I guess. <laughs> Were they but, that bored? I, I, right? That's kind of what I was thinking. Anyway, so in May of 1922, he stole $3.50 from the post office in Aiken, Oklahoma, which in today's money is about $61.72. I mean, my question is, is what the heck made him think, oh, I'm going to steal some money from the post office? <laughs> like, I mean, I guess people do have to buy stamps, but yeah. I'm like, the post office? <laughs> Maybe he could reach their counter or something. <laughs> oh, man. So three years later in 1925, a year after he married Ruby Hardgrave, Hardgrave, who was a daughter of a tenant farmer, Charlie and a friend, Fred Hildebrand, took part in a payroll robbery. He got married, I guess, in 1924, and then in 1925, he had a pay, he took part in a payroll robbery. Okay. And it's unclear how much money they stole. One source said it was $11,929, which is about... Mm $201,958,000 roughly in today's money, which, I mean, that's a huge amount of money. The other source claimed it was $2,000, which would only be about almost $34,000, which is still a lot of money. Yeah. There's just a huge difference. So I'm not actually sure how much Mm -hmm. he stole. Either way, it was enough to... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to cough. Um, either way, it was enough where he got into enough trouble that he ended up in prison mm-hmm. for that robbery. He ended up in the Missouri State Penitentiary. Okay. A fun fact, though, I've been there. You oh, can take. A, I know. I want to go so bad. You you can take a tour there, and it is just it is so cool. It's so oh informative, God. and they even have like an overnight ghost. I know. Thing that you can do. I don't know if I'm quite brave enough to do that because honestly, just going during when it's daylight is just super creepy. I want to be brave enough, but I don't know if I am either. I know. It was really cool, though. I highly recommend if you're ever in the Jefferson City area, you should definitely check it out because it was informative and it was just really neat just to hear the history. And I know it was open for a really long time. But anyway, he was there. Uh, Of course, while serving time there, he learned important criminal skills from, you know, people like safecrackers and burglars and robbery specialists. So I guess he spent his time well honing his skills. And he only served about three and a half years. He was then granted parole. He was out by 1929. Mm -hmm. When he got out, because of his criminal career, he had a hard time holding down a job. Yeah. And his wife at that time also. Now, okay, this is, I'm not sure if she divorced him while he was still in prison or after he got out. But she claimed neglect. So they ended up divorced. You neglected me while you were in prison. It's kind of fun. But anyway, he did have at least one son that they, that they mentioned. After getting out of prison, he made his way to Kansas City and put his new criminal skills to the test of the mouse, so to speak. Mm. This is also around the time when Charlie got the nickname Pretty Boy Floyd. And it's not 100% clear where the name came from, but here's what a few sources said on that topic. One said his future girlfriend, Beulah Baird, gave it to him. Another said that a madam named Annie Chambers asked, quote, where did you come from, pretty boy? <laughs> Another said that Orville Drake gave him the nickname when he worked on an oil rig because he would always wear 
like white button up shirts and mm-hmm. slacks. He wore that like every day to work, even though it was on like an oil rig. It was also said that he absolutely despised that nickname. Pretty much as soon as he was released from prison and up to his death, he was known to have robbed anywhere between like 16 to 30 banks during his criminal career. And most of the bank robberies that he took part in, they occurred in mostly Oklahoma and Ohio. Okay. On November 1st, 1932, Floyd greeted old friends and family as he, George Birdwell, and Ossie Elliott robbed the bank in Salisaw, Oklahoma, oh. which is close to his hometown, mm-hmm. remind mm-hmm. you. And took away $2,350, which is about $51,000 in today's money. And as they were leaving, okay, he just (laughs) robbed the bank there. And as he's leaving, people were cheering him on and they were doing, (laughs) they were doing, uh, as they were doing this, he was just like, he was shaking their hands as he's walking out with their money. Oh my God. Waving to the crowd like a politician. I mean... <laughs> but it goes back to that, what we talked about earlier with the Robin Hood yeah, complex, yes. even though it doesn't really seem like... I'm pretty sure they were not giving this money away. I thought that I thought that was kind of interesting and a little wow. sad. Yeah. From around 1930 through 1934, he was involved in numerous bank robberies. Okay. His name was tied to a few murders, but we only know of really of one that he actually committed. Yeah. And this was because it's the only one he actually talked about publicly. Okay. And he had killed Irv Kelly, and he was a former sheriff of the, of McIntosh County. Okay. And it happened probably when he was robbing a bank or something. Irv Kelly was trying to arrest him, and Floyd ended up shooting and killing him. It was oh. basically he had said it was him or me, and I picked him yeah. kind of thing. So, and that happened in April of 1932. Okay. His criminal career began to fall apart on June 17, 1933. This is when a gunfight known as the Kansas City Massacre happened. Okay. Floyd and his criminal pal, Adam Ricchetti, became the prime suspects of this bloodbath that occurred at the Union Station. And it resulted in four law officers' deaths, along with Frank Jelly Nash, who was the one that was actually... Frank Nash? Like the Frank Nash? Yes, I believe so. And he was the one who was actually involved in this Kansas City massacre. Okay. The involvement of these two Oklahoma gangsters in the Casey massacre are continuously being debated, even to this day. Okay. Some some authorities rely on interviews with men who knew Floyd and Ricchetti, who claimed that both men were, were there and were firing at officers as part of an ambush. Okay. Others claim that Floyd and Ricchetti were in the wrong place at the wrong time because they just happened to be in Kansas City when this gunfight broke out. But they weren't actually a part of it. Floyd mentioned that he and Ricchetti weren't there. He actually said that. He claimed that they were not a part of the gun battle and he denied that they were a part of it uh, like for the whole rest of his life. Which, I mean, it's not not that long. He doesn't have that long left. But Floyd was known for not shying away from yeah. uh, the infamy produced by his criminal activities, so oh, it just gosh. didn't make sense for him to deny it if he wasn't involved. Uh, one acquaintance who drove getaway cars for Floyd, mm-hmm. El- Elmer Steele, said publicly about almost 60 years after the Kansas City massacre that Floyd was innocent okay. of, oh. of the alleged crime, and, quote, others did it and he took the fall. Chalk was never a hired gun, which yeah. I think says a lot, too. Yeah. Later, it did become known that Pretty Boy Floyd didn't commit many of the crimes that are linked to him. Kind oh. of kind of like Bell Star and even 
Ma Barker. Yeah. I think just because he was already so notorious, Mm -hmm. it just piped up his infamy, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it. After the Kansas City Massacre, the FBI swooped in, naming Pretty Boy Floyd public enemy number one on July 23rd of 1934. And that was following the death of John Dillinger, actually. On October 22nd, 1934, local police officers and FBI agents led by Melvin Purvis shot and killed Floyd in a cornfield near East Liverpool, Ohio. His body was then returned to Oklahoma on October 28, 1934. Charles Arthur Floyd was laid to rest in the Aiken Cemetery. I thought this was super interesting. Like, I just didn't have any idea. It's estimated that anywhere from 20,000 to 40,000 people came to his funeral, making it the largest funeral in Oklahoma history. Oh my gosh. Like, I I just had no idea. Mm -hmm. And several sources said the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, wow. And this was just like a very, very brief overview of Pretty Boy Floyd. Yes. I probably could have gone into a bit more detail, but I didn't want to be too long. But, and honestly, I I had no idea that he was even raised here and no. considered at home. Yeah. And... Because you kind of equate him to, you know, Chicago mobsters and New York mobsters. Right. And, I, I mean... But I most feel, of his crimes took place here in central, yeah. the central U.S. You yeah. Know. And he was liked. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's obvious he was liked if that many... Now, part of me wonders if that many people came to his funeral because maybe it was like, oh, we get to see this famous Again, yeah. criminal. We get, you know, I don't know if they were necessarily all considered mourners. Yeah. But just the fact that there was that many people there just yeah. kind of blows my mind. It makes me think of like a modern day when John Gotti died and the oh. people lined the street. Uh-huh. of him dying to see like his funeral pro- procession yeah you know yeah. it's probably a mixture of both yeah because for some reason a lot of gangsters well not a lot of them but the old timing mm-hmm. kind of ones they they were a bit philanthropic yeah you know well and, and i'm sure that i don't know some of them seem like they were selfish and yeah oh well just kept the money for themselves well yeah but i mean maybe some of them did just kind of when they employed so many people during those times when jobs and, were hard to find. Right. And we have to remember that that was during the Great Depression. Yes, exactly. And especially here in Oklahoma, because not only you have to think during that time, not only were they still trying to recover from the stock market, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then in the 30s, we have the Dust Bowl. Exactly. And that was just wreaked havoc on 90% of our state. Right. And, so anyway, I just I double whammy. For I us. found him very interesting, yeah, and I honestly yeah, would like to read up on him a little mm-hmm. more because I I just glossed the surface. I oh, didn't yeah. even I dipped my toe in, so to speak. <laughs> you didn't jump on in. I don't know. I kind of also wonder. Like this crossed my mind. I wondered about his son. Mm-hmm. If he kept his name, like, or if yeah. he changed it because of who his father was. Yeah. Or if, you know, is his descendant still living here? Like, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious and interested to kind of know. That was Charles Arthur Floyd, Pretty Boy Floyd. I loved it. That's a good one. He's I, a good I, one. I enjoyed that one. That was probably my favorite. I yeah. mean, Elmer was just kind of <laughs> comedic relief. <laughs> 
Um, I did want to point out that I forgot to list my sources. Do you mind if I go ahead and list them? I used Oklahoma Scoundrels by Robert Barr Smith and Lawrence J. Yaddo. The Wikipedia. 100 Oklahoma Outlaws, Gangsters, and Lawmen, 1839 to 1939 by Dan Anderson with Lawrence Yaddo. Outlaw Tales of Oklahoma, second edition, True Stories of the Sooner State's Most Infamous Crooks, Culprits, and Cutthroats by Robert Barr Smith. And, of course, Legends of Oklahoma. No, not Oklahoma. Legends of America website, <laughs> legendsofamerica.com. I haven't even written in my notes. And I, I can't mean, read, apparently. We all know what happened last week. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can't be worse. Yay. Yeah. Second episode. We hope you guys are really enjoying it. You're yes. on board with us. And if you do like it, we would really appreciate it if you would write a review or give us some stars on iTunes yes. or whatever platform that Subscribe you're Subscribe or follow. We are on most all major podcast platforms wherever you go. We are on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music. Um, if you have XM Radio, you can find us through Stitcher that way as well. So, yeah, we're out there. And I think next week we will do Paranormal. <laughs> you ready for it? kick off a spooky season to yeah get i mean it, end of august is here and we're starting to get into fall will be here before we know it even though we have like two weeks of it. so ready <laughs> me too i'm ready for some like soup and stews and hoodies colder weather <laughs> ready for a hoodie so but, for sure well tip do you want to tell them where they can find us Okay, yes. If you have any questions or comments, listener tales, show suggestions, travel suggestions for us to come, you can reach out to us at CuriousCousinsOK at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at CuriousCousinsOK. We're on Facebook, CuriousCousinsOK Podcast. We are on Twitter at Curious Cousins OK, but let me spell that for you. It is C U R I O U S C U Z N OK. They wouldn't let us do the whole thing. No, they wouldn't Too let us do letters. the whole thing. So please reach out to us. Give us a follow. Give us a shout out. Tell us how we're doing. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. Yep. So just tell them what to keep it. Keep it kooky and spooky. Bye. Bye. We'll see you later. Bye.